Uh-oh. Somebody learned how to play in the valley this year. Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops. I'm your host, Paul Oren, at NWI Oren on Twitter. And you can catch Union Street Hoops, a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and the Missouri Valley Conference on NWI.com, iTunes, and SoundCloud. It's been about two weeks since we last met. Uh, Valpo against Illinois State, then Missouri State, then Bradley, then Southern Illinois. I really should have had a podcast in there somewhere. I got really sick. Um, it, it just the stress of, of the flipping the calendar, starting a new semester, all of that stuff. A little bit of a stress here and, and just difficult to get to the setup to do all this. About a week ago, I sat down to do a uh, an episode and I got about 10 minutes in and my voice gave out on me. I just I didn't have it. Uh, been a little under the weather. I'm back. I'm feeling better and uh, and happy to try to break down as the best I can these first four conference games of the year for Valpo. And what a different kind of conversation today than I expected to have two weeks ago. Valpo opened up conference play against Illinois State, looked dead in the water, uh, hadn't didn't score for about 14 minutes of of game time. Uh, didn't score a field goal that stretched over halftime and I, it was probably like an hour or so I wish I had the exact time about an hour of not making a field goal and then uh, so everything looks like it's going awful for Valpo they turn it around Marcus Golder with inspired play down the stretch of that game hits a crazy shot we'll look at it in a second they go on the road. They win in a place that no one else had won all year. They come back home. They lose their star early in the game. They somehow gut out a victory, and then they go on the road to one of the preseason favorites in the league, and they get a victory there despite the fact they're shorthanded. And suddenly now it's Wednesday afternoon they're, or Tuesday afternoon, excuse me. They're getting ready to go play Loyola, the defending conference champion, on the road, Biggest game of the year so far. And with each passing victory for Valpo, every game becomes all that more big. Didn't really think that Valpo at Loyola was going to be a big game in the conference standings. Thought it would be a good measuring stick for Valpo a couple weeks ago, but didn't think that if Valpo were to win the game this evening, and again, depending on when you're listening to it, I'm recording this on Tuesday, didn't think that Valpo could somehow... I didn't. I don't know what planet you thought this was possible on. That if Valpo were to knock off Loyola on Tuesday night in the fifth conference game of the year, that they could have a two-game lead on everybody else in the conference. That's absurd. I know there's a lot of ball game left, but Valpo is in great position. Even if they go into Loyola and drop this game, they're still four and one with a loss on their resume that a lot of other people are going to take, losing at the Gentile Center, they've already got wins at Missouri State and at Southern Illinois. They only had one conference road win last year, and it was in the final game of the regular season at Drake. And Valpo was stuck in that 7-10-8-9 area playing on Thursday night in the tournament, which nobody wants to do. Matter of fact, it's like no one has ever come out of that 7-10-8-9 game and gone on to win the conference tournament, let alone very few teams have ever actually won the following day on Friday. And, and, and again, 
it's January 15th. The conference tournament is a long way away from now. And talking about seeding or anything like that is is kind of absurd to be doing at this time of the year. But Valpo's at least put themselves in a different kind of conversation than we expected to be having maybe at the beginning of the season thought about being in this conversation. But after losses to High Point and and really tough game against Ball State and a tough, tough game against Texas A&M, they just looked lost. They played about as bad as you could have played in those two games, and they've rattled off five straight wins since then, four of them in the conference. And it all started on January 2nd at the arc, Valpo trailing in the second half, down 10, and they cut it, you know, they, 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 they're they working, but it's under two minutes to go. It's 54-44. Valpo's about to lose at home to Illinois State, and their season could just spiral out of control. Ryan Fazekas knocks down two free throws. Marcus Golder, you know, 40 seconds later makes a layup, cut it to 54-48 off of a really good offensive rebound by Golder. So now they got a foul with 47 seconds left. Down six, Keyshawn Evans misses the front end of a one-and-one. Golder gets the rebound, comes on down. Bakari Evelyn, who hadn't hit the broadside of a barn all day, knocks down a three-pointer, and suddenly it's a three-point game with 39 seconds left, and Valpo takes a full timeout. All right, well, Valpo still now with under 40 seconds left, down three, Miracles can happen, but Valpo's got to gotta make something happen. And here you go. Valpo gets a charge on Malik Yarborough. He turns it over with 36 seconds left. And now you, Valpo's got a chance. And Bakari Evelyn's got the ball, and he goes for an entry pass, and it goes out of bounds, throws the ball away, trying to hit Smiths under the basket, can't do it. Valpo's got a foul. Keyshawn Evans of the line buries both of them. Nice try, Valpo. Down five, 26 seconds left. It's not going to happen. Valpo gets the ball in. Bakari shoots a three-pointer. Offensive rebound to Fizikas, who shoots another three-pointer. That one misses. Derek Smits gets it and, you know, smartly goes back up with it to make it 56-53. So at some point, you got to cut your losses and just score. So now Valpo's up three, or excuse me, down three, 14 seconds left, and another foul by Malik Yarborough, offensive foul. Valpo's got the ball. Now, down three, 11 seconds left. What do you do if you're Illinois State? Do you foul? Do you not foul? Well, they get the ball over to Marcus Golder with about five seconds left. He contorts his body, draws contact, and he's going to go to the line for three free throws. What a dream scenario for Valpo. Golder, Barry's the first one. Valpo has no business being in this game, and suddenly now they're two free throws away from tying it. Golder buries the second one. At this point, there's a substitution. You get Soroya and you get Saki in there. You want to be able to get a fast perimeter guy in there, and you want to be able to get your better defender in there to cut off anything at the basket. Golder is going to make this next shot, but there's that bit of a break where you get Bakari Evelyn and Malik McMillan out of the game. Marcus shorts it. What a terrible way for this thing to end. Zach Copeland gets the rebound. He gets fouled with 2.8 seconds left. 
They're going to go down. They're going to hit free throws. If they hit both of them, Valpo's got to go the length of the floor uh, with no time on the clock, really. If, you know, really maybe the best thing to do is to hit one of them and then miss one of them or something where, you know, I guess it really doesn't matter. They're going to need a three-pointer. If you miss one of them, Valpo's got to get the rebound perfectly. Clock's going to start right away, and then you've got to go and, and take the guys off the line. You don't want to risk following somebody 90 feet from the basket. Copeland goes to the line, hit misses the free throw. Marcus Golder, who just had an opportunity to be the hero, grabs the rebound, takes a couple of dribbles forward, and launches a prayer. And it goes viral. Sports Center top 10 play number one. Golder three pointer at the buzzer to win the game, and Valpo's 1 0 in conference. You have got to be kidding me. Or you got to be bleeping me, according to Dave Huseman of the Valpo Sports Radio Network. Unreal. Valpo pulls victory from the jaws of defeat. And Illinois State, which looks to be one of the top teams in the conference, has suddenly lost a game in the first try. And they're going to Loyola a couple days later, uh, you know, about a week later. Illinois State had that game signed, sealed, and delivered, and Valpo pulls it out. The second year in a row that Valpo's beat Illinois State at home. All right. Now Valpo's got to go on the road to Missouri State. Not a great Missouri State team this year. They're 6-0 and at home and 0-8 and and on the road, but again, they're at home. And Valpo got blown out at home by Missouri State last year, lost to them at their place, and then got beat by Missouri State in the conference tournament. They went 3-0 and against Valpo last year, and Valpo's got to go in there. And, and again, do you take that moment, that three-point make by Marcus Golder, does it become a galvanizing moment? Is this something, and I, I put it out on Twitter that night, this kind of moment can take and just just get everybody going. Matt Lodick had been talking about playing tough, playing gritty, and Valpo did that in the final two minutes of that game. They could have quit. They should have quit. Down 10. They, I mean, the game was over, and Valpo somehow puts it all together. And now they're going to go on the road, and they're going to see what can they do at Missouri State. Daniel Sackey, who'd hit one three-pointer like all year, comes out and buries a three-pointer immediately. Valpo's up. Derek Smith gets the ball inside. Golder hits a shot. Golder with a dunk. Freeman with a three-pointer. Golder with another shot. It's tied at 16, 10 minutes in. Looks like a fight, but Valpo's grinding. They're going for it. Freeman gets a tip in. Fizikas with a three-pointer. Soroya with a shot. In less than a minute, Valpo rattles off seven straight points. All of a sudden, they're up 23-16. Here comes Soroya again with another shot inside. And then another shot inside. Now they're up 11. Fizikas with a three-pointer. Golder with two free throws. Soroya gets to the line. He knocks one down. Dion Lavender hits a shot inside. Dion Lavender gets another shot inside. He's finishing at the basket. Evelyn with two free throws. Evelyn with two more free throws. John Kaiser with a layup. And Valpo, after Bakari knocks down a three-pointer, Valpo's up 22 points at the half in a place that they didn't win the year before. The year before that, they needed a late Alec Peters three-pointer, and he got fouled and hit all three free throws. They needed a miracle to be able to win. And suddenly now they're up 22 at the break. And... It got a little crazy there at, you know, they Missouri State didn't go away, but 
Valpo wins by 16. Valpo's 2-0 in the conference. A balanced effort. 18 for Fazekas. 13 off the bench for Bakari Evelyn. Dion Lavender with 7 points, 10 rebounds, and 5 assists. These guys jettisoned to the to the bench to start the game in lieu of Daniel Sackey and Marcus Golder. And Golder, in 18 minutes, had 11 points on just 6 shots. Very efficient in the game. And Valpo comes out with a victory, and they're 2-0. and Okay, doing well, 2-0. and you know, but Missouri State's not very good. Let's let's play. Let's talk about Bradley here. Back at home, now you've got a team who's got some experience on it. I know Brian Wardle struggles at the arc. He's like one and eight at the arc. But here's a game where, you know, maybe Valpo will come down to reality a little bit. Daryl Brown is an amazing player and somebody who is going to give Valpo fits. He just dropped 32 points against Indiana State the game before. Looks like, you know, he's going to be a real problem for Valpo. And they've got, you know, D'Lo is out there, good player, experienced. Elijah Childs looks like he's going to be a stud. Coke Barr is doing well. Luke Van Breek, Nate Kennel. They've got a lot of experience on this team, and Valpo's got a battle against these guys. And... This is made all the more difficult when Ryan Fazekas goes down early into the game. But Valpo did come out strong. Smiths and Freeman got Valpo on the board right away. Golder is right there. Fazekas makes a three-pointer, and when he makes his first one, it typically looks like you know things are going to go well. But with 13.07 left, he goes down with a sprained ankle. Valpo up by one. Kaiser comes in, and now... You know, we're not really sure what's going on with Fazekas. Valpo loses their star, and, and they, they've got a balanced team, but he's their guy that they're looking to get shots for, and he's out. No one's going to say anything if Valpo loses this game. So instead, Malik McMillan comes in and knocks down a three-pointer. Dion Lavender dunks the ball. Soroya with a shot in the paint, and all of a sudden Valpo is up 21-12. They still don't know where Fazekas is. He's in the locker room right now, but they've gone up. Freeman with another layup and a dunk and a three-pointer again from Daniel Sackey. They're up 28-14. All of a sudden, this Valpo team is kind of legit, right? They go into the locker room up 31-18, to and then they hold on for dear life in the second half. They win ugly. It didn't look great in the second half. You know, they get outscored 32-30. Daryl Brown... Had 10 points there. No one from Valpo in double figures in the second half. Fazekas uh, obviously out, doesn't come back. But uh, as the second half unfolded, it was a, you know, a bit of a struggle for Valpo there. I mean, they, they, they got to within eight with about two and a half minutes. No, excuse me, they got to within five. Uh, Luke Van Brie hit a three pointer with 243 left to get within five. Then Bakari answered with a huge shot. Freeman had a dunk, ran it back up to 10, and uh, Valpo ultimately able to coast to the, to the 11-point victory. It looked for a bit there like Valpo was going to blow a big one. And Valpo has struggled in the second half of the season or of the second half of games, particularly in conference play. If you look in conference, uh, Valpo is outscoring opponents 135 to 93 in the first half and getting outscored by nine in the second half. You know, they, 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 they open up such a big lead in the first half that they then got to hold on for dear life. Okay, Valpo's 3-0. and Makes sense. Win against Illinois State, which is improbable, should have been a loss. Game at Missouri State, 
the Bears aren't very good this year. Uh, you know, but it's still winning on the road. That's impressive. Winning by 16, the way they did it in the first half, pretty good. Uh, the win at home against Bradley, well, you're winning, you're at home. I know you don't have physicus. Maybe you, you get some kind of motivation from that. Going into Southern Illinois is really going to be the game, I think, that says, you know what, Valpo, you got to, you got to crash back to reality here. Uh, Vegas looked at it, said it's Southern Illinois by eight. I think the line probably would have shifted by about four points with physicus being out. Looks like. Southern Illinois is going to, you know, give a little bit of humble pie back to Valpo. Southern Illinois is healthy. They've got Armand Fletcher back from his six-game suspension. Kavion Pippen's one of the best big men in the conference. And Theek Bowl is apparently made active uh, and put into the lineup early on um, after, after basically the day before. Barry Hinson saying, I don't play games with injuries. If he's ready to go, I'm going to tell you if he's not. He's not, and he basically says, we'll try to play him next week. Well, apparently next week was the next day. They put the bowl in there, played four minutes, turned the ball over twice, and was really, uh, you know, maybe rushed him back a little bit. So Valpo comes out in that game, and they're down 17-10. to 10. Yep, Aaron Cook buries a three-pointer from the corner. That came on the heels of a John Kaiser dunk, which, I mean, you got to get excited about Kaiser throwing down a dunk. But Fletcher and Cook made back-to-back three-pointers for Southern Illinois. Looks like it's going to be a struggle for Valpo. They're down seven on the road. They don't have their three-point star. Valpo comes out on the next possession, and Daniel Sackey shoots up a three-pointer. And him knocking down those threes in other games has been a really big moment for them. But he missed that one. And I'll be honest, when he missed that three, I thought, here you go. And then Smith's missed a shot right after that. I thought, you know what? This one's over. You know, Southern Illinois is going to go on a, on a run here, um, you know. And then Aaron Cook turned the ball over. And we went a couple minutes without any scoring. Soroya got to the line, split a pair of free throws. Golder got the offensive rebound on the miss and tipped it in. And then I thought, wait a minute. These kind of big plays are, are what Valpo needs. These second-chance baskets are what Valpo needs. Soroya then makes a layup, and all of a sudden he gets another basket. So now they're 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 finding the ball inside. Soroya is like seventy one percent from the floor in conference play. He's starting to find his groove, and Southern Illinois is starting to struggle. And here's Dion Lavender; he ties the game, and one gets a free throw. And now they're they're trading back and forth, and then with four and a half minutes left, here comes Valpo Freeman with a layup. Lavender with a dunk, Golder with a dunk, Golder with a layup, Saki with a layup on a fast break. A couple of fast break baskets in a row as, as they're starting to push the tempo a little bit. And suddenly now Valpo's got it up to a, a nine-point lead. Now Bean gets a tip in toward the end, but Valpo goes into the locker room up seven on the road at Southern Illinois. This Valpo team might be for real. And so they get into the second half. Okay. Valpo runs it up to 10, and then they get it to 11, and then they keep, you know, kind of bouncing around a little bit. They get it back up to 10. Every time Southern Illinois would cut it down to 6 or 5, there's Valpo to push it right back up to 10, whether it be a golder jumper here or a three-pointer there or anything like that. Here's Valpo back up to 13 with six and a half minutes left to go, and here comes Southern Illinois with Bartley with a three-pointer, Darius Bean with a tip-in, Cook with a three-pointer. Kavion Pippen gets a basket in there. 
Armand Fletcher gets to the line, splits a pair of free throws. It's a two-point game with 40 seconds left, or 39.1 seconds left. And this becomes the big question for Valpo, or for Southern Illinois, excuse me. Do you foul or do you play it out? And it's right on the cusp there, right? 9.1 second difference between shot clock and game clock. I think me, I probably foul. I go for a steal, and if I can't get the steal, maybe I foul. So there's Southern Illinois. They play it out, and which is a good strategy if you get the stop. It's an awful strategy if you don't get the stop because now suddenly you're down four or five, depending on what kind of basket they go for. Valpo gets it in. You've got trying to get the ball inside to Smits. They get it to Smits. It's not there. Nice pass through two defenders to Dion Lavender, who played his freshman year at Southern Illinois. Lavender lays it in. Valpo up four. Southern Illinois races it back. Aaron Cook misses a three-pointer. Fletcher gets the rebound. He puts it up. Smith grabs the rebound. And, like, as quickly as you can think it, it's over. And Valpo's one, and they're 4-0. and I, I went back and I looked at the play a little bit later on because the TV broadcast cut out immediately, went to another, another whatever their next event was. Watching that pass that Derek Smith made, it will be criminally understated how good of a play that was. Because right now you're going to think about the Golder shot at the end of Illinois State, which was huge. And you're going to think about Lavender's making it. But, uh, yeah, some of the big baskets that have been made. You know, the Sackey three-pointers, the Kaiser dunk, Freeman's moves that he made. He made a play early in the game against against Southern Illinois that was just amazing, where he stole the ball, went to the ground with his dribble, got up, found Bakari Evelyn for a three-pointer. It was a great play that was made by the freshman. But Derek Smith's pass at the end of that game was unbelievable. To be able to thread the needle right there to find Lavender, again, in real time, didn't really look like much, but the risk that he's taking in making that pass and how perfect of a dime that was to Lavender to be able to split the defenders and Lavender put that shot up. The guy that played his freshman year at Southern Illinois, what a play. And again, it wasn't the game winner. If Valpo was holding on for dear life, Matt Lodick says after the game, if that game's two minutes longer, we'd lose. That's probably true. If that Illinois State game is a half second shorter, Valpo loses. If that... Bradley game is uh, maybe a little bit longer. I know Valpo got it back up to 11, but attrition was taking hold, and Bradley was kind of feeling themselves a little bit by by the end of the game. They'd cut it down to five. Uh, Valpo, whether or not they're fortunate or not fortunate or whatever to be 4-0, Valpo's not going to apologize to anybody. It is hard to win in the Missouri Valley Conference, and Valpo's done it four times in four opportunities. Last year proved how difficult it is to win in the Valley, how tough of a conference this is, and Valpo's 4-0 right now. And yes, they could go to Loyola tonight, and they could get the pants beaten off themselves, right? They're going to be down physicus. It's going to be a tough environment against a team that's also feeling pretty good about themselves right now after an up-and-down non-conference slate. But Valpo has got every right to feel good about themselves coming into this game against Loyola. They've got every right to be in this conversation because they've earned it. They've responded to what Coach Lodick asked them to do. 
playing tough, playing gritty, and you can see it. You see these guys, they go out there now, they believe that they that they can compete, and they're doing it in a way that they weren't doing it before. Now, there's a lot of hand-wringing from the fans out there about how come Bakari and Dion aren't starting. Well, look at the minute distribution. They're playing starters' minutes. They might not be starting at the beginning of the game, and honestly— Daniel Sackey deserves to be out there, too. That kid is making winning plays. He's got 12 assists. Yes, he's turned the ball over nine times, but he's handled the ball more than anybody else. He's only scored 10 points in conference so far, but two of them have been big three-pointers. He's got seven rebounds, four steals. He's playing really well. He's only playing 16 and a half minutes a game. When Dion and Bakari come in the game, I mean, Dion's playing 27 and a half minutes a game. Bakari's playing 26 minutes a game. Evelyn is still struggling a bit from the floor. He's 32% in conference, but he is up to 40% from the three-point line. He's getting better there, and he's and he's going to have to hit those shots. Golder's shooting percentage actually going down a little bit in conference, but he's they're using him more, and he's making great plays. He's got five rebounds a game, as does Lavender. Smith has got six rebounds a game. Freeman's got four and a half. Valpo is rebounding the ball with their competition now in the Valley. 35.8 to 35.2. Rebounding has really been a struggle for Valpo, but they're doing well in conference. And they're, you know, they're not turning the ball over very often, only seven times against Bradley, I think, or Southern Illinois. And and they're they're moving the ball. Lavender with 17 assists in conference, 12 for Saki, seven assists for Freeman, six for Golder, and one really beautiful assist for Smith. He's got four, but that was good. Valpo is shooting 46% in conference to just 37.5. The game against Loyola is going to be a rock fight. Both of these teams are good defensive teams. Loyola probably the best in the conference, but Valpo is holding opponents to 58.2 points a game in conference. Illinois State scored 56. Even though Illinois State should have won that game, Valpo did a good job defensively. They held Missouri State to 66 on the road. They held Bradley to 50. They held Southern Illinois to 61. Valpo is doing a good job defensively. I said the other day, I asked Matt Lodick, I said, what what does it say about the top two defensive teams battling each other? And he said, thank you for calling us a good defensive team. He said, we're getting better at defense, but we're not there yet. Valpo's got an opportunity to take a big step forward. We're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna come back pretty quickly after the Loyola game with another episode of Union Street Hoops to take a look at what happened in the Loyola game because it's a big enough game on its own to be able to break things down. That said, I want to look at one other thing here uh, before I wrap up this episode of Union Street Hoops, and and I'm looking to have some guests coming on in the next couple episodes to to get back to more of where it's not just me talking. Ryan Fizikas is out right now, and it begs the question, who is the most irreplaceable player on Valpo's roster? I don't know the answer to that. I I would have been quick to tell you that it was Fizikas, you know, beforehand, because I just think he's got the ability to go off more than any other player. Bakari Evelyn, I would say, at the beginning of the year, might have been the guy I would have picked, but... You know, he's really struggled a lot this year and, and you know, shooting and all of that. So I think they're showing they can win with him struggling. So I don't know. Maybe is it Dion Lavender? Is he the, is he the guy that, that is the most irreplaceable player? Is it Javon Freeman who played 35 minutes against Southern Illinois? I don't know the answer to that. 
Is it Smits? Is it Soroya? Is it one of those two? Is it the is it the melding of those two guys in some way? Is it the energy that Marcus Golder brings? I I don't, and I think that's kind of where it stops. I mean, Lord Love, Saki, and and Kaiser, and and what they've done a little bit. Uh, they're not the most irreplaceable guys out there. Although Saki is his leadership skills are they're there for a freshman. It's uh, it's fun to watch him interact with guys. You know, you I I, I was watching the the Wisconsin. Uh, Maryland game on Monday night, and and Brad Davison was, uh, you know, Roivers missed a shot for uh, for Wisconsin at the end, and there's Brad Davison picking up one of his teammates. Go back and watch the video clip of Golder hitting that shot, and the teammates celebrate and, and kind of pile on him. And afterward, Golder is walking off the court with Daniel Sackey, and you hear Sackey saying, "Way to, way to." Keep going. Way to way to make a play. Way to pick yourself up. I, I don't exactly remember what the words were, but he was right there to say, way to to pick up the fact that you missed that free throw earlier. But it was done in a good, positive leadership way, and it was. Uh, you see a lot of this on you know leadership displayed. You saw the Philadelphia Eagles to a man picking up Alshon Jeffrey the other day after he dropped a pass that led to an interception. It's that kind of leadership. These guys are playing together, and uh, and so I give that to Saki. But again, I don't know who the most irreplaceable player on this team is. Maybe it's Smits. Ten points a game, six and a half rebounds a game, and just the size that he takes up and the ability that he's got to get Valpo going inside, which then leads to them outside. And if he's going inside and they start knocking shots down, from the outside, that's a really good recipe there. Speaking of hitting shots from the outside, how about Jay Soroya knocking down his first career three-pointer? Everybody on the team has got a three-point make this year, every scholarship player except for Smits and, surprisingly, Dion Lavender. Lavender's missed all four three-point attempts, not really in his game. but uh, and, and something else I liked, too, in the Southern Illinois game, this idea of, uh, of getting Kaiser some looks from three early on. And he missed the first one barely, and then he nailed the second one. And in hitting that second shot, showed that he can do it. And it was his first three-point make of the year. But I think that meant that you had to pay attention to him a little bit more. If he can hit those shots, same thing with McMillan. When he's out there, you know he can hit those shots. Even though Fazekas isn't out there, you've got to respect the perimeter game of those guys. I... I'm curious to hear who you think is the most irreplaceable player. And maybe it's a team of balance. They've got five guys averaging double figures right now this season, I believe. And, you know, you've got, uh, I mean, with 12.5 or 12.7 for for Zekas, 12.2 for Smiths, 11.1 for Freeman, 10.2 for Golder, and 10 for Picari Evelyn. It has been 10 years, 11 years since Valpo's had five guys averaging double figures. So maybe the beauty of this Valpo team is that there isn't one guy. Obviously, if you took Alec Peters off those teams when he was here, that would have been the most irreplaceable player. Broke off before that. Last year's team, Tavon Walker maybe is the most irreplaceable player. on the. I don't know that there's one single guy this year, and maybe that's part of why Valpo is experiencing some success. There isn't one guy you can shut down for Valpo that, Another guy isn't going to pick up the mantle a little bit. I say all of this knowing it's almost tempting fate that Valpo could go into Loyola tonight 
and just get ran. You know, is does this does the slipper still fit? Is Valpo a Cinderella in the Valley race or have they earned the right to be a legitimate team in this race? And that that seems to be the question we asked earlier this year. Is Valpo good? I think they've proven if they play the way that Lodic wants them to play, the way they're capable of, this can be a really good team. The maddening frustration that fans felt in the first non first part of non-conference into the latter stage of non-conference, the high point game, the A&M game, the Ball State game, all of that has kind of brought you to this point where where I'm seeing online that people are writing apology letters to Lodic who are, are saying, you know, maybe we were wrong about you. Maybe we were wrong about this team. They've, it, it really, to me, it started with Lodic said at one point, I'm not going to stop being who I am. I was a tough and gritty player, and that's the way my teams are going to play. They came back from Christmas break, and Lodic said to the players, starting lineup out the window. Everybody's got to earn their spot. We're going to compete day in and day out in practice. And how you compete in practice is how you're going to compete in the games. And a lot of times it sounds like coach speak and it sounds like lip service. But for Valpo, it's become their mantra, being gritty. The players love it. Uh, a couple of days ago, I talked to Bakari, I talked to Jay Soroya. They both said they love seeing the gritty signs at the games. I'll be curious to see how many people are going to Loyola tonight with a sign that says gritty on it. When Valpo plays Northern Iowa on Saturday at home, how many people are going to have these gritty signs in the stands? The players are feeding off that. They are buying into this toughness and gritty mentality, and it's translated to four conference victories. And, you know, Valpo's got a chance now. They've won two games by double figures. They've won two games by one or two possessions. Now they got a chance to go and really make a statement at Loyola. Even if Valpo comes up short, I think we're going to see a lot about this Valpo team against Loyola. What will, how will they compete? How will Loyola play against Valpo? Who's the, who's the nervous team? Who's the hunter? Who's the hunted here in this situation? Because Loyola, as good as they are, had just as many question marks coming out of the non-conference as Valpo did. This should be an excellent college basketball game. If you happen to be listening to this podcast after the game happened, then I hope I got it right. I hope it was an excellent game. Win or lose, I don't think it changes much for Valpo. If they win, they're legitimately in the conversation. If they lose, I think they're already legitimately in the conversation. They're going to be about a third of the way through the conference race coming up by this Saturday, a third of the way through. Teams are starting to separate themselves a little bit. There's still a lot of a lot of ground to go, a lot of ball game left. It won't be two weeks until we meet again. I hope not to get sick again, and I hope we got a few more buzzer-beating victories in the future because they're fun to watch. They're fun to cover. Valpo and Loyola tonight, NBC Sports Chicago should be a great game. I'll be back on Thursday with another breakdown of what's going on with this game and we'll take a look at how everything happened and and try to get a guest on on thursday thank you all take care enjoy the game tonight thanks for listening